0: Well this morning, we're not doing Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, right. We're actually moving past that to Romans 12, 3. We'll to read one and two, to kind of put it in context. We're not going to continue to do that until the time. It's kind of refers for, for this family. only. Because look at Romans 12, 3 and more on. And, you know, and as I said about Romans, I said before last week, the whole rest of this, of this book, the whole rest of Romans is that picture of it is because of the gospel, because of, of, of the, the power of God to salvation, because we are in Christ, we've been released, we've been saved from the power of sin. We are to worship. This is this, this is who we, we are, what we're called to do. We are to worship God. You know, we're, we're, we are to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. You know, I love 1 Peter 2 9. For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession, that the reason God called us, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous life. This is the calling of God in us. So, so as Romans, as Paul has laid out the gospels, as, as he has preached the gospel to us from Romans 1 through chapter 11, he's done this and now As we saw in chapter 12, he makes this transition, and and, and now it's about how are we going to worship this great God? How are we going to live in such a way as to proclaim the excellencies of this great God? Um, But, here we are, we're called to live as as people set free from sin. But one of the problems we have is we're so often too busy looking at other people's lives, aren't we? We get we get focused on other people's lives and not on ourselves. I have a friend who's reading a wonderful book about leadership. We talk about it and she's, and she's enjoying this book greatly. She's talked about how good it is, but she said that she's having the hardest time getting through this book, not because she doesn't enjoy it. Not because it's not, it's not meaningful to her, but the whole time she's reading it, she's saying, I really wish i boss could read this, or I really wish Somebody else could read this. Um, it's so easy for us to see the faults and problems of other people. As we see in this passage, worship begins much, much closer to home. Worship begins having the liquor ourselves. So let's look at Romans 12. Starting in verse 1, and as we focus on verse 3 today. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brother, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies to a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. you shall be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, as I said, multiple times, we've come to that transition point in Romans. We've heard the gospel. We've all heard it, but so what? So what? As we talked earlier, you know, we said, we said there is some objective truths to the scripture, to the gospel. That when you talk about the gospel, there are objective realities. Jesus Christ's life and death on the cross are objective truths. You can test them. Uh, you know, Lee Strobel, he said that was that was his how how God brought him to, to faith was testing those objective truths and the evidence the man's the decision. But there's also that subjective reality. Okay, so what that Jesus Christ lived sinless and died on, on, on the cross. What does it mean to us? How do we live this out? How do we apply this? How do we avoid turning the call of righteousness into a list of do's and don'ts? You know, how do we, how do we so we read this as okay, there's things you should be doing, and Paul's going to talk about that in chapters 13, 14, 15, about how this, well, this what does it look like? How do we avoid turning these into a list of do's and don'ts? And we all know those lists, right? I've got, I've got my list. I'm doing it right, and I'm doing it right. Paul said it's not what we're talking about, and Paul's telling us the way we do this is by worship. We avoid this through worship because of the mercy of God, because we've seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians four six, because of this this working of salvation. And that when we saw the glory of God, we recognize our sin, our depravity. The way that sinners have always recognized themselves in the glorious light of the gospel. Every time in scripture, they see the, the, God, the glorious God, when they see this holy, righteous God, every time they see their own sin. Isaiah, Zechariah chapter 3, even John in the Revelation this is the only right thing to do when you see the glorious God, you recognize your sin. And, and, and the, the salvation response, when you see this, when you see your sin, and you see what God has provided, the grace that God has provided, that he doesn't destroy you as you deserve, but instead, he provides the burning coal. Or he provides a as in Zechariah. Or he provides forgiveness in Christ. The proper response is to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Here I am, sitting me, says Isaiah. Paul tells us that we present our bodies, that, that, that the way that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that so this is our spiritual worship, and the way we do this is to transform our mind. The, 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 the whole point of presenting our bodies is not to go out and first do, first thing is you have to start thinking differently you have your mind has to be transformed not just conformed but transformed there has to be this change because before Christ you were feeling your thinking useless, irrational unreasonable your minds were futile but our thinking must be transformed
1: and the way that our thinking
0: is transformed is by beholding the glory of God When we look and we see and we behold the glory of God, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. 2 Corinthians 3:18. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this is this working of God. This is this is this is what Paul said. This This is what The gospel does for us. This is where we are. We're we're at this point now in in, in reading of Romans, where we've seen the gospel, we've heard the gospel, we've seen our sin, we've seen our depravity, we've seen the mercy of God, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And now we're ready to worship God. Now we're ready to 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 test and prove and reveal this, this, this perfect acceptable good will god we're ready to live out this worshipful life because this is this is the will of god the will of god is that all men should worship him we know that it's not a surprise and now paul takes this approach to, to worship our response to the gospel and from and it's been revealed in chapter 1 to 11 and he applies it This is this application of our response to chapters 1 through 11. And the first thing that Paul wants to tell us is he wants us to know where it came from. Where does this call come from? He's going to say, so Paul says, Paul says that, that for by the grace given to me. You know, I believe that Paul has given us an insight into inspiration. What does it mean that it's inspired word of God? He's saying, by the grace given to me, that that this working of grace, by that divine influence of God on my heart, I'm saying this. And that's what grace literally means. The word grace is not this generic, getting something you don't deserve. It means this, this working of God, this God leaning into you, speaking to you, working in you, Whereas the strong support it says that divine influence on your heart that's played out in your life. Paul said that, that I'm, I, I'm saying this to you because of what God has done. I, I'm going to say this to you. And I think really this is seeing that, that definition of grace really uh, helps understand what, what Paul is trying to get across there. It really changes the meaning. Paul's not saying by the gift of being an apostle, or, or, or by the gift of being a, a believer. No, by that grace, he's adding the backing of God. God is leading me to say this to you. This is not my ideal. This is God's idea for us and for our lives. Paul's saying that, that, that this is for everyone among us. I say this to everyone by the grace that is given to me. I'm going to say this to everyone among you. This, I mean, this is not this is not the sort of message message that we can say. I really wish that person had heard. I really wish that other person heard this. This is something that we all need to hear. Not that we would ever do that, right? We would never look at somebody else and say. Man, that other person, they really need to hear this. Who would never do that? You know, Paul saying that this is for everyone. And you know, I really had to stop and wonder about that. You know, isn't all of this for everyone? I mean, isn't all Romans for everyone? So why here? So why at this point in the, the Gospels, he's reading this, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Why is he trying to emphasize here that this is for every one of you? When he started out, Romans saying Am to all the saints? But, but he said here, he said, He wanted to emphasize, this is for everyone among us. You know, it's not like we would to believe that, well, Romans 12 1 2 not for everyone. You know, this is, and I say to them, Paul knows us. This is the place, this is the part that we would so quickly attribute to someone else. We would so quickly try to apply this to other people. That Paul wants us to add the emphasis. This is for everyone. Don't, don't think, well I don't need to hear this. By the grace given to me, Paul says, every one of you need to hear this. Every one of you need to apply it so what is it that we're apply to everyone what is it that god has by god's grace that paul has led paul to address paul says every one of us need to not think more highly think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think So what are we supposed to do with this transformed mind? So here he is. He's talking about this transformed mind that we got. The first thing you do is look at your own mind. Here you have it. He said, said, this this transformed mind that we talked about, the renewed mind from Romans chapter 12 2, the first thing you do with it is apply to you. Look right here. Before you start looking out and around and, and, and look at other things Look at yourself Before you start saying, "Well, if try to fix all the problems in the world Look at yourself first Let's get, let's get in the right order And I, I think Can I just let out of there now I say this, because I'm not sure about you. I can say to myself, I've had a very hard stop on my feet right now when I read this. as Paul says, talks about this wonderful thing about spiritual worship and this renewed mind, and he turns around and says, Now, how do you see yourself? How are you looking at you? You read this Romans 12, 1-11? You've read this gospel on the power of God and salvation. You're ready to apply this wonderful truths of the gospel. Now, look at you. What that beer first before you look at anybody else? But it's a lot more fun to look at others. It's a lot more fun to look at their problems and see all the things they're doing wrong. And see how they're not worshiping. And see how they're, they're failing and see how they're standing it's a lot more fun to look at the problems around us, isn't it? because then it's so easy to see I'm just I, so amazed I mean, the people that follow it and hear about this great passage you know, and that we've all... I'll be honest I've, I've known it for years before it for years you know, the, the Roman slave one and see that's the only thing you learn right off just Until I really started looking at it, the first time I realized that the first place that Paul applies it is to me. Don't think more highly of yourself than Paul. As I was talking to Carol about the sermon, Carol made a very interesting connection. She connected to Matthew 7 passage about seeing the speck in the riverside. Paul says, before you start looking for specks, you better start looking for logs. Look for all logs in your own own eyes. Are you looking to remove all those logs, all those problems that you have? First, don't think more highly of yourself. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. We're not to be prideful. We're not to look at ourselves with pride, but we're to have sober judgment. We're to see ourselves with clearly. Sober judgment, this right vision, not distorted by anything else. You know, as I said before, I believe that we in the church have allowed the, the, the world to redefine our words so often in such a way that they're unrecognizable and even somewhat unrelatable to the scripture. And we said if the world has taken words that we think we know what they mean and have so twisted them that when we bring them back to the scripture, they mean something totally different. You know, the, as we, one of the first words we talk about is love, you know, as we said. You know, the world the has taken the word love, that, that what, what God meant, and, and we take it to mean something pleasing to me. Now, when I say I love you, what I'm really saying is you bring me pleasure. You make me happy. And that's the reason why we can use the same word for pizza as we do for a person. I love pizza, that means I enjoy his taste. And unfortunately, I mean a lot of the same thing when I when a uh, boy and girl say, well, I love you, we mean the same word. But in scripture, the word love meant I'm sacrificed for you. I, I, I'm giving myself to you. I, I want to see you succeed. You know, the, as we said, when the Bible uses the word love, it is always to the benefit of the object, not the subject. When God says I love you, it is to our benefit. We, we benefit from that. And he sacrifices for that. And we've turned it around. We've it around. And we do that with the word, so they're so the almost unrecognizable to the scripture. And I believe another one of those words that have been radically changed by the world is pride. You know, we hear this thing, don't be prideful. Well, really, we don't understand what the, what the scripture means by that. Because the world really can't understand what the scripture means by that. But yet we know everyone's taught you should be prideful. So. So we understand what he means when he says don't think more highly of yourself or don't, don't have be prideful, don't boast, don't, don't have pride well, What does he mean by this? Let me start giving you an example kind of how to point that out If I stood up here and said I am the greatest artist who ever lived That would not make me prideful, that would make me delusional right? Especially if you've ever seen me draw that man, that guy is delusional. Because there's no way I am the greatest artist that ever lived. Furthermore, if I stood up here and said, I have a very good mind that is able to quickly understand new things and learn new ideals easily, that would not mean I'm prideful, It would just mean I'm realistic. Well, it's true i mean I, it, it 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 is i do so what is pride, pride would be if i stood up here and said i have a good mind and able to learn quickly and and, and, and to understand things quickly and easily because of what i've done to get this because look what i have done i i've made myself Look how I've trained my mind. Look what all things I've done to make myself that way. That would be pride. As opposed to saying, God is so good to me. Look what God has done in me. You know, to, to, for, for Matt to say, well, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay at construction. That's delusional. That's a lie. He's right. He's good at it. But not because of what Matt's done, but what God's done. So don't belittle the gifts that God has done. That's wrong. So we take it, we say, well, the opposite of pride is humility. No, the opposite of pride is faith. It's believing that God has done this. And recognizing what God has done. So Paul said look at yourself with what is the work that God has done in you and recognize what God has done don't belittle it don't ignore it pride in believing whatever I have or am came from me and not God it is not pride to recognize the wonderful things that God has done, done in you. To recognize the wonderful workings of God in your life. Look at yourself as a sober judgment. You know, we, I see it all the time. You know, we're, and I tell the kids, you know, when so kids that are they're good basketball players. And you're asking, you the best. Uh, I, I'm okay. No, you're a good basketball player. Admit it. Just don't take credit for it. it Recognize what God has done. You know? You didn't do it. Well, I worked hard. Okay, maybe, but who gave you the strength, the opportunity, the tough coaching? Who did all these things in your life to get you there? You didn't do it. You didn't grow the food that you ate to give you strength, did you? you know you didn't you didn't do all you didn't you didn't create to give a basketball for you to do no god did all these things recognize it that's what god has done faith is believing what it is that god provides and creates in us so don't think we're hiding yourself not to nothing doesn't mean well then i shouldn't see myself as low and nothing no it's recognizing what god's done Whatever gifts God has worked in you. Well, if you have a gift of encouragement, acknowledge it by God's grace. If you have the gift of administration, acknowledge it by God's grace. Whatever it is. Use sober judgment. So we're to look at ourselves as sober judgment. Assessing our strength and gifts so that we can prove or reveal the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We do this according to the measure of faith that God, is, God has assigned. It's not random. God is giving to all his children the measure of faith that he has assigned. He has looking at all of us and given all of us a measure of faith that he has. Assignment. He's chosen. It is not the same. In Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about the, the unity of the body and the importance of being one in the body and how we're going to walk and to live. And we have that same idea there. Ephesians 4, 1 through 7, Paul writes, I therefore, a of the Lord, urge you to walk. In a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called, all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the body in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of God's gift. So when we judge ourselves, when we look, when use this sober judgment and look at ourselves, it is according to the measure of faith that God has given us. We're look at ourselves and say, what is it that God has given us that measure of faith? Not by comparing ourselves to others. Not by looking at others and saying, Man, I wish I had the faith they had. I wish I could do things that they right. could do. The problem with that is, that's some type of faith. We really trust God to create what He wants us to be. How many times have we said, I really shouldn't be more like that I wish I had the faith that person. I wish I had the faith of that person. I I, I just see them, and I just see that, and I, just, I wish always have a reason I feel like them. Or worse yet, I'm just a failure. Because I don't have the faith of whoever that person is. You know, it's tempting to have a show hands and say, how I many has I mean, ever done that? But I, don't, I think we'd all have to sit our hands up. We would look around at somebody else and say, man, I wish I had that kind of faith. I wish I had to do and that sort of thing. I wish I could be like uh, that person instead of recognizing. You know God gives each one a man's of faith according to what He has a sign. Do we trust Him? Do we trust Him? Or do we automatically look and say, man, I, I, I should be more. You know, the Bible often refers is the importance of seeing ourselves. James 1. We talk about being doing the word, not a hearer only, in verse 22-25. But, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if either one is a hearer of the word, not doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, once forgetting what he, what he looks like, what he was like. But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, the gospel, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets the doer who acts, who blessed bless doer to do Also, of the same kind idea. You heard this gospel, you read it, you've seen it, first thing you do is look at yourself, See yourself. Look intently. And then apply. Paul is going on and we we'll talk about the worship that we experience together. The way we live and work among each other. The way we're to encourage each other. The way to build each other up. We are part of one body. We are being we're already encouraged. a part of, of this body that we all have gifts that we're to give to one another and to the world. But first, it begins with ourselves. The first place we're to use our renewed mind is to think differently about ourselves. You know, God built something in my life this week as I was studying this, looking at this. You know, I'm often, and I would say many of you have too, have looked at someone who's fallen into sin and 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 struggling with sin and and. Have any of you ever used that phrase? There, but by the grace of God, go Anybody I. Anybody you ever use that? I say it often, and it's true. It's, 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 this, this is good. There, but by the grace of God, go I. When I see someone in that sin, um, and, and I mean, the only difference between me and that person is God's grace. He's the one who keeps you from falling that way, and it's true. Um, And that's not a sin. But what what God has shown me in this study is I need more and more to recognize that the opposite is also true. And I need to confess it as well. Not only there by the grace of God go I, but here, here by the grace of God I am. Where you are right now, in your walk, and in your and in your and in your struggles, and in your in your difficulties, and in your faith and faithlessness, and all these things, it's also about God's grace. It's also about God's grace. You see, it is God who has gifted me and you, and has made us and led us this point. We're here, by God's grace, by the measure of faith that he has assigned to us. And I need to see that with sober judgment. And then give myself to others for his glory. And this is worship. And by that, I'm going to prove and reveal what is that good or useful. And what is that good? Acceptable or well pleasing, what is that perfect that that which brings about completion will God? But it begins first by looking at ourselves. Because I think a lot of times that's the hardest, part, isn't it? It's so much easier for us to look at others, look around and see their sin and see their, their 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 struggles, or see my sin and say, Oh, we're going to tell my wife that person or this person. this in, you know what, God's praise. This is who I am. And God, you can use even me.